Hi, and welcome to Elevate Potential. I'm so glad that you're here. This is a podcast that is designed to help you escape patterns, embrace passion, and elevate potential. My name is Elizabeth Perry, and as a lifelong student of psychology, personal development, and human potential, as well as a transpersonal life and leadership coach, I will be your guide as together we learn from others who are on this journey. Let's dive in. Yeah, here's the, here's the cool thing about it too. It doesn't mean if you identify the root cause and own it that you can't keep doing it. That doesn't mean that. You can still do it. You just have an honest understanding of why you do it. In this episode, I chat with Wes Hurt about how recovering from patterns of addiction allowed him to embrace a passion that he has made his life's purpose. We explore how embracing authenticity, hope, and creativity can be a way of breaking patterns of addiction, manipulation, and egoic thinking. This episode gets so real, and it's one that I've had to listen to over and over again just to understand the gravity of what Wes is saying. So you're definitely going to want to download this one because you're going to want to listen to it again. Let's get into it. All right. So today I am so excited to um, introduce somebody who, when I met him, really sparked a lot of growth and healing in my own life. Um, Mostly I was super inspired by Wes's um, journey of recovery and how that inspired him to realize his purpose in creating Clean Cause, a for-purpose Yerba Mate company that donates 50% of their profits to provide scholarships to help other people who struggle with addiction get clean. And so in addition to being the founder of Clean, who donates 50% of their profits, he's also a dad to two incredible young boys. And so I'm so excited to welcome Wes to the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. And that was cool. Cool introduction. It's the first time that uh, someone's introduced me as being a dad. And I have recently changed my titles and in, in to more reflect uh, my priorities, which, mm. which are, you know, I'm a dad, I'm a person in recovery, and I'm an entrepreneur. And so it was cool just to hear that because I recently just made that shift. But yeah, I'm a really proud dad of two, two boys. So I, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, And I just appreciate the authenticity that you brought forward when we first met. Just to give everyone some background info, I met Wes at Natural Products Expo West, where this was like back in 2018. Um, So a long, a long time ago, really. Clean had been around since 2015. So this is like three years into the journey. And what really sparked me about Wes was just your openness when everyone was in suits, like there was a bunch of VCs walking around, like investors, CEOs. And I was walking around feeling like an imposter. Like I do not belong here. I know my history. I know my family's history and I just don't fit in. And meeting you like sparked in me something that Honestly, I've 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 grown so much even since then and I'm excited to talk about a little bit about that today, but I want to start out with just one of my favorite questions to ask is like what were you like as a kid? Um what what sort of things did you like to do? Like who was Wes Hurt when he was like 12? <laughs> yeah, I you know, I think I'm getting to to see it live in my three-year-old. So I had two boys, one's three and one's five. The three-year-old's name is Otis. The five-year-old is Jude. 
Jude is more like his mom, uh, very chill, you know, very introspective. I'm loud and out there and risk taking. And that is, uh, that's, that's Otis. So it's been fascinating because so many people or that parents, lots of folks that are, you know, saw me as a child are like, that's what you were like. And so it's interesting to watch yourself, but no, you know, when I look back at my childhood, you know, I, I had a really great childhood in many respects in the sense of being you know born with every opportunity in the world um you know very privileged but at the same time you know i remember as a child being really lonely and there always being kind of a a void of sorts that i could never put my finger on especially when you're that young and trying to you know can't intellectually understand all of the different components that contribute to the way you're feeling but in retrospect, I look back and I remember being kind of alone. Um, I don't attribute that to neglect of my parents or anything. It was almost like this, like, why am I alone? Why do I feel that way? And, and there was always a sense of asking and thinking why, even when I was a kid. But I was out there. I think I was insecure. You know, I kind of came out that way. Or I, for as long as I can remember, I was insecure. So I always had some anxiety about life and being included or not. And so early on, I decided to kind of do my own thing, but dabble in each group enough to not let anyone know that I was just totally isolated. So I could go jump in with the cool crew and then with the, the not uncool crew, but the skateboarding crew or whatever, the smokers who were down by the bridge, whatever, you know, it, it's funny because I didn't recognize that I'd done that uh, for most of my life until over the last few years that I just never committed to groups or anything in, in that way. That It's weird because a lot of security and safety is in our tribes and our groups and stuff. But it was opposite for me. I, I had the perception that my safety was alone. That because no one you know. And so, I mean, that's a deep dive part of it in terms of like, you know, I was just very hyperactive and creative. I was always trying to come up with ideas, even when I was a kid. I mean... I had stuff I'll never forget mailed from China um, when when we didn't you didn't really even have internet I somehow was able to get there and, and they claimed to have these plastic bags that were biodegradable and I live in Austin Texas where Whole Foods is and I'm like dude this will be Eureka I'll be the first person to come to them with like a corn bait blah 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 um, <laughs> my brain was always just active hyperactive moving and 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 to this day i really don't like to stay still and it doesn't like to stay still and some of that still has to deal with just my um my opportunity for growth honestly there's my loaded answer i don't know if i answered it exactly Um, no i i love that you know it makes me think a little bit i had shared with you way back when that my dad struggles with addiction. And one of the things that has always struck me to be so unique about him is he's so incredibly intelligent. And that's something that I feel like he passed on to me and my little brother, Austin, and not only intelligent, but creative. And I think that there's this like high level of creativity and intelligence and like almost like outsider feeling that can lead down to some destructive paths in life, but can also lead to incredible growth. So in addition to being somebody who is in recovery, you're also somebody who's founded two companies. And so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that journey. When did addiction start to come into your life and what role did that play as you founded Hey Cupcake and um, has led into the founding of your second company? Yeah. Uh- it's weird. I have one little story when I look back at like the origins of uh, my use or mm-hmm. picking up substances to 
essentially just changed the way I feel, you know, and I look back, there was a time that I went to a, um, I was in my mom's bathroom and I opened up her medicine cabinet and um, I saw just a little figure of a guy who had like the droopy eyes on it. And I wasn't really, I didn't drink then really or anything like that. That's what was so weird. But for some reason, my brain was like, oh, try that. I don't know. It wasn't even like a red button that says don't push. It was like there was multiple things. I see these eyeballs. And for some reason, my eyeballs connect with those eyeballs and I grab it. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it was cough syrup. And it was the prescription cough syrup. So I took a sip of it. I was like, you know, that's sweet or whatever. I was like, okay, I set it down. I went and watched TV and I'll never forget. Like 10 minutes later, I'd been laying down just watching TV and I got up and went, Ooh. and I was like, wow, I like that. Mm. And uh, I finished that bottle over four days. Each day I got home from school, I'd go and then later in the evening, like I remember being excited about the idea to get to drink this little thing, watch TV and stay still and then get up to move so we can feel the effect. So when I look back, it's like, damn, dude, like that was then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I can't really explain exactly how I made the association and the idea to that that was going to work or whatever. I don't know. Fast forward a little bit into high school. That's when I picked up booze. I had a group of friends that were all very similar in that we were a tribe of misfits that also splintered off and did our own thing, but we always came back together. But to this day, it's been interesting to watch that about, you know, 75% of us didn't make it. And about 25% of us did. And when I say did in life, I mean, just was able to, to either fight through your addictions or to find a place of some sort, some semblance of normalcy. And those are interesting things I've thought about. And then through high school, just a lot of drinking. And then college and, the, and those, the 10 years of, eight years of college and then four states and all kinds of just insane stories. You know, it it, it, uh, it elevated from, you know, to more cocaine and, and then just throwing in all kinds of different stuff. Really the addiction, you know, most of my life I was able to be, it was manageable. And it was manageable in that my parents were always there to bail me out. Now, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't associate that being the reason until you find out really that's what was going on later, because it takes that party to recognize their part as well. So it's like blessing a curse. I had, you know, I could get out of everything basically. So there weren't consequences. So that changed when I started taking opiates because I really couldn't manage anything at the point that I became addicted to it, where I knew when I started having withdrawals, it was a scary day because cocaine and alcohol and weed or whatever it was like, you feel like shit, you have a hangover, it goes away. This one is different. That's what really brought me to my knees in terms of, you know, my journey from alcohol to more experimentation to cocaine and then opiates within two years, I started popping four Vicodin and within two years, I was to 35 Vicodin a day. I was smoking crack, I was just adding stuff and I was like, wow, I'm, I'm in trouble. And so that's kind of like the, the quick version from a little bottle at my parents' house with some eyeballs on it that say they're droopy to being kicked out of my home being fired from the business I started and then being cut off from my entire family for the very first time in my life. It made a unified um, approach, you know, and I attribute that to being a, a really a big reason why I survived. But I, I also, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to tell folks just to do that because 
we all as parents, me being a parent now, you can tell me what to do with my kid, but my heart and the compromises you make because you're just so full of fear mm-hmm. is, is ever present. Hey, this thing's complex. It's, I mean, life is complex, right? That's my journey up to, you know, to start clean. Yeah. And I love one of the things that you say is that, you know, drugs were my affliction, but everybody has one. I can really relate to that. And I think that a lot of people can, no matter who you are, you have something that you choose that you use to fill that void. And so I was wondering for you in going through your recovery, what were some of the thoughts or feelings that you had to work through and reframe in order to get to a place where you stopped using in order to fill what was that? What was that void that was causing the um, need to reach out to substances? Yeah. I mean, I think it's different for everyone. Yeah. When I look back, if I have to tell you what I think the number one reason for substance abuse, it's trauma. Mm -hmm. It has to do with trauma. Um, at least to catalyze the use for such a for such a traumatic event and desperate for some type of relief, especially when you're in the shock of not understanding mm. things and how they happen and all this. So I think it's a I think it's a ripcord for people and that it works pretty quickly and it does mm-hmm. and it works for a long time. It does um, until it doesn't. In terms of the feelings and things, I think I felt safer when I was on drug. I just did. I felt safer. I, you know, my, my emotions did, but also my my uh, risk tolerance was greater, and that meant going to a public place because that was risky for me because I was scared of people. Mm. Ironically, I'm still very antisocial, but people don't see me that way. They see me as hypersocial and all of these things, and very aware and all of those. And like I've met, you know, at times they're like, "What did you do to get?" Started? And I'm like, "Guys, I'm fighting the same damn battle every single day." Mm. Like I have not arrived, you know, I still fight uh, to fill that hole with other things. They're just maybe not as socially unacceptable. But when you look at the consequences of addiction and having DWIs or injuring other people or domestic violence or whatever it is, it's very clear the consequences of, 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 of my affliction, if you will, you know, whereas other people will struggle with sex addiction or uh, eating too much or whatever it is, but we don't we don't really see it that way as, as being as detrimental, relatively speaking, because it's not explicitly affecting other people in a way that we see the consequence. That's the blessing and curse though of someone in recovery. Like a lot of the time, I, if, if I only had an ice cream addiction, I'm like, or ice cream and icing or something like that, it's like, what, what is going to catalyze change in that? It's going to either come from you inside, just or or a doctor maybe saying, "Hey, you're, you won't live that long," you know, or something. Let's just say that was the case. I don't know. Overeating. I was, and and folks who struggle with like chemical addiction in terms of what we're talking about, illegal. The consequence happens, and then you are faced with a decision to change or continue to get the consequence and. And, and within the context of addiction, it's typically jails, institutions, or death. They make a generalization like that because it's generally true. It's almost like a life intervention of sorts. Mm-hmm. Like life says no, society says no, but you can eat ice cream 
You can go do sex stuff. You can go do this. So it's a blessing in disguise for anyone that wants to find more meaning or more explicit purpose in their life if they want to. And so, because you're forced to almost, you're like, you're going to die, dude, or you're going to try to figure out a way. And so I've never actually ever even thought of that before, to be honest with you. I've never thought of that, that perspective. And that's the truth. It's a, it, it can be a massive blessing. And I just meant in the sense of the consequences being part of the accountability construct of, of just the nature of being addicted to the substance and, and being out in the world. So, yeah. Yeah. And I can so relate to that because when I met you, I was really addicted to achieving and that is very socially acceptable to be really addicted oh. to achieving and really addicted to loving other people's opinions, thinking highly of you. Right. And I am, I am sick as all get out. And that's still <laughs> after motion station, my insecurity of even being a man that's accomplished some things is like, it's not okay. Still, like I'm so hyper insecure about life and the world. I apologize. I interrupted, but you're saying you can, you can definitely um, relate. Yeah. I mean, um, I could definitely relate. And, and I am grateful for my process. I mean, right after Natural Expo West, I was in this place where I was like, okay, achieve more and more and more. And then it crashed and burned. I got appendicitis, didn't realize um, it because I was selling a big, big client at the time and my appendix burst. And I still didn't realize it wasn't going to go to the hospital, but then something in me was like, I need to go. Ended up staying there for 14 days. And that was the catalyst that made me want to change my life, made me realize like, hey, life isn't about this. Life isn't about the dopamine hit that comes from my phone every time I get a like on Instagram. And I think that- Oh, dang. What were you going to say? Oh, hey, I don't feel very good right now. Let's see if I got any lights. Totally. No, I know. It's so messed up. I hate it and I love it and I hate it. But anyway. Yeah, going. no. And I don't blame social media. It's blameless, right? It's like you if you blame other things externally from yourself, like it kind of just keeps you in that cycle. But you're a participant within the cycle. The reason it's generally acceptable is all of us generally do it. And then, you know, what I find fascinating, and, 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 and this is just kind of a philosophy, it's not rocket science, it's almost like scientific method or logic or something, but my investor will always tell me, I call him up with like like all kinds of shit, I just want to talk about that, blah, 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 blah. and he goes, Wes, what's the root cause? Mm. What's the root driver? So what is the root cause behind me wanting to achieve? What is the root cause or root driver behind me wanting to look at my Facebook and need an affirmation. Like just, it's okay. Here's the, here's the cool thing about it too. It doesn't mean if you identify the root cause and own it, that you can't keep doing it. That doesn't mean that you can still do it. You just have an honest understanding of why you do it. And to me, there's something liberating within that. And, and it doesn't even have to be false humility because you don't have to tell anybody unless you're in a position to where I have to sometimes not unless, but I have to choose to be like, guys, I know I'm fucking just an egomaniac and I do this. And then I'll, my sister will say something like, Wes, um, I don't think people think about you as much as you think they do. And I'm like, Oh, that's a possible. Yeah. That's a probability. I'm like, Oh, okay. Anyway, I'm going all over the place. But my point is, is why, why do you want to achieve more? 
Why do you want more likes? Why do you care what other people think? Why do we care? What other, I mean, it's just why. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, and it's so insane because the United States, regardless of our state, uh, the state of being we are in, is blessed beyond belief, beyond belief. Mm-hmm. Even with the stupid management of our everything we're doing, we're still blessed. We lose point of relativity mm-hmm. to understand that we at least have clean water in know? some places. <laughs> but it, it, well, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, I, I do get what you're saying, though. And and that's something that like ob- oftentimes in positive psychology is brought up. We have evolved so much, yet we still fill this void in our hearts and in yes. our lives. And we go to a lot of different things, the different afflictions in order to fill that void. But one of the things that you talked about was, you know, being really open about like, hey, I'm an egomaniac sometimes. And I love the way that you show up on social, just like really vulnerably and really authentically. And I've heard you say before, authenticity is something you struggle with. But um, from the outside, it's like, wow, like I see somebody who is very authentic and very vulnerable and speaks their mind. How has this authenticity and vulnerability supported you in your recovery? It's been what what's freed me and keeps me in bondage. Mm. Because when seeking to be seen as authentic becomes the desire for authenticity, there's the does that make sense? Mm-hmm. When seeking to be perceived as authentic becomes the desire, it that's the problem. It's kind of like money's not the problem. It's the love of money. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about your struggle to be authentic is not a problem unless you're, as long as you're authentically expressing that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I have this, I know that's like just circular. I get it. But like, that's where I find myself. I'm like, damn it. What is my motive behind this? Mm-hmm. And can I have a self-serving motive and one that serves the world at the same time? I believe does, whatever the case is. And so I run through these permutations of why am I doing that? It's just like, so I, I appreciate that. But it's, you know, the other thing is, is that all of us in our heart of hearts know our defects somewhere, uh, or at least I don't know how to say that. We know what we need to work on. Mm-hmm. One example I have is, is it's like, hey, someone can call me authentic or tell me that I like, wow, you're starting a business, you're kicking ass and all that. And what happens is, is people can rest on their laurels or just assume that this aware, there's a paralysis and an awareness that I've seen in people. Mm-hmm. It's that they didn't want to admit their deficiency or their defect or something that they wanted to work on. But when they do that, you get celebrated for being honest. And but then you ride that. Mm-hmm. And awareness without action is dead because that license people start realizing it's, it's like three layers. It's like denial, it's awareness and ownership, and then it's action. And people will fall into right here and write it the rest of their life. And the reason they will is because people will tell you, yes, but at least you're aware. Oh, oh. That's, that's what they say. And, and I've seen that be one of the most destructive compliments that someone can have if it's not followed by another sentence, Mm. which is now it's time that we move awareness into action because ignorance was bliss. 
No more. Ugh, that is so great. And when I when I think about this, what what comes up for me is first how that ties so perfectly to what you said before of the beauty of having an addiction that isn't socially acceptable is accountability comes with that. People start holding you accountable. But then some of these other things like ego and you know all some of the other patterns that we struggle with, people are just like, oh well, I'm so glad you're aware of it, but don't require the action. And one of those bad habits, I guess you could say that a lot of people do, but so few are willing to say that they do that, do this is manipulation. And I've heard you talk about manipulation in the past. And this is something that I've struggled with, you know, manipulating other people's like thoughts of me and being a people pleaser. That is manipulation. Being a people pleaser, being codependent, that is manipulation. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm manipulative. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, and like I said, I am an egomaniac. Mm -hmm. I do have low self-esteem. I'm also a great person. Mm -hmm. I am. I'm all of these things. I, I like to think of myself as a shit smoothie. (laughs) And a shit smoothie, a shit smoothie kind of tastes like shit, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have a lot of great ingredients. It just has the improper amount in the right time. And, you know, I have too much turmeric and then I'm coming in here with this. You're like, dude, Come on. And I'm like, well, it's kind of shit smoothie. So, but when it looks at manipulation, that one's hard. It's just so hard. It's how am I not manipulating the way I'm answering it to you right now? Yeah. You know, and I'm like, what does she want me to see and know and what? And I'm like, I, I don't know how to speak specifically to manipulation, but to understand that there's almost an ulterior motive in everything we do. Yeah. And, and for everyone, don't give a shit how sweet somebody is. There is, there's varying degrees. Then the question is, is what's acceptable? What's not acceptable? If we all do it, why do we make a judgment on that's too much? And I know I'm kind of going off on kind of into, but there, again, I, I, I like to think, I've been whack-a-mole with things in my life versus saying, hey, let's go 50,000, let's go a little higher to look at what principles transcend this, this singular circumstance that I want to try to dissect. Root cause. Uh, we talk about the leaves all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, talk about the roots. What did I put in the roots? I'm like, the leaves aren't growing. Oh, it must be the sun's not shining on them. Mm. Causal or correlation. You know, so I, I speak a lot to my team about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, is it hot outside? And they'll be like, yeah. And I go, no, it's not. The Sahara is hot today. Mm. This, so manipulation, just to go full circle. I really don't even know how to answer it, to be honest with you, uh, other than, yes, I manipulate things. Yes, I'm leveraging recovery in my business for my own personal gain. I am. I mean, I'm lever- I'm putting it out there as something that's selling a product, and it's only 50% of the profits, so I'm leveraging it. I am, and I'm very clear on that. I sell caffeine, which is addictive, and I know that I can sell more because of that. Is that manipulative? Is that smart? Is that I? Is it both? Probably both. <laughs> um, and then you can rationalize it. I rationalize my manipulations because it's not as bad as this mm-hmm. or that. What I what I'm taking away from all of that is one of my favorite things is that when you share about manipulation, it it, it shows that like. This willingness to see, hey, I'm not a perfect person. I'm a, sh- I'm a shit smoothie. And like so many people, including myself, are afraid to look at the shadow side, afraid to see like, 
hey, yeah, I, I could be manipulative or hey, yeah, like I'm doing this podcast because I want to be seen and heard, you know, as to where I think the willingness to be able to see like, yeah, this is my shadow side. I like a affirmation. I have a big ego. I sometimes manipulate people. I want to make money. But then also realizing there are still all these positive things about me and I exist on this continuum and I am not one thing or another. I'm a shit smoothie. And like, mm. if, I'm, if I'm perfect, then I need to be God. Who I mean, I need to be reinvented as a God. Yeah. If I truly am perfect. So the point is, is nobody is. And we all know that. That's what's ironic. We already all know this. We will get off phone calls of certain things that we do and call our friend and talk about what really just happened on the phone call, which by the way, they're doing that too. And it's like, we have this big secret in life, which is not a secret at all. We think we're so freaking unique. We're not. And that's not to diminish the qualities that make us mm -hmm. special. But when I say unique, I'm talking about the root causes of things human you're feeling a void you feel a need for inclusion you feel a need to be heard at times yeah. you want to be safe those are universal and so we want to overcomplicate things and i do it all the time and i'm going to run down some tributary or look at the leaves instead of looking at the roots or looking at the nile mm -hmm. and just saying what are we putting in there what yeah. are we watering that tree with and then i'm sitting here talking to you about the leaf why the light bulb's not out. It's not plugged into the wall. You know, it's just like that kind of stuff that I have to challenge myself and be like, spending so much time mm -hmm. on the product of something, on the, the final mile of it, and, and racking my brain versus recognizing it's the product of what I've done before. And so I, I found myself a lot of the times doing that. It's like, what causes what? Mm -hmm. Get really... You know, it, that's a bit of advice that I would I'd really love to give, which is root causes and root drivers. You know, what what drives someone like what? So I'll take impact, for example, mm -hmm. like impact. What what is impact is, you know, you hear it out there. And my point is, is to me, impact is something that you feel, it, you know, it's real. You feel convicted to do something. No, I, I like that. I mean, talk, thinking about, Hey, what is the root of this? I mean, even when we're talking about things like manipulation, like, why am I doing this? Cause if you just look at manipulation, then you only see the ugly, yes. but if you look at like, what's the root, why am I manipulating? Oh, well it's because I want to be loved. Yes. And that's, that's actually a good core reason, yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, so the source is good. It's okay. Yeah. It, the product is just, hey, it's just the wrong product. The source mm. is something we all have. And so the manipulation is like, you know, what's funny too is like most of the time, the people we know, we already know the subconscious things about who that person is and we'll accept it or we love them or not. But like, when they reveal they're manipulative, it's not like that's news to the world. It's just news to them, their own ears to finally hear them say that. So I keep, I, the reason I keep saying this is like, there's certain convictions in life or things like, if you talk more about manipulation and that you're manipulative, you are an outlier in today's society, but you are not an outlier in, in, in the sense of who struggles with that. But, but, uh, the, yes. but the perception you feel alone. You feel alone on your new journey 
of self-realization that's not going to be perfect. But the rest is not willing to go there necessarily. And by the way, it doesn't mean you're better or worse. I don't care. I'm just trying to say the nature of a group of people who do this and a group that does this, you feel alone. But that doesn't mean this is absolutely not right and better or whatever the words that you would use that are morally or ethically or personally, whatever the hell that is. So you have to remember, like, when you find resolve, you hold. Because I'll tell you one thing that does happen. There's pain in that. There's insecurity. There's loneliness. There's all of that. But there's a tipping point where principles are bigger than personalities. And it's undeniable what people see. And early on, I just I just kept going with clean, for example. People are like, you can't give away 50%. You can't do that. People have already sold water before. You know, you can't say clean. You're telling people are dirty, you know, and all this, all the things we faced. And then the vindication that I have had personally, just for myself at my house to know that going, God, I don't know why I started this. I don't know how I ever knew the 50% might or might not work, but um, something's been happening even this last year where it's like you're vindicated in your resolve. And it's joy is not for others to see. It's for you to feel and understand that you held true to something that you absolutely knew to be true within yourself. And that over time and staying consistent, stay consistent. That's what people judge is consistency. And so they watch and they're like, they're still going. I don't understand this. It's still going. And now, now people are inspired. Now people want, and then I was like, I was so fucking alone for so long. And I go, oh God, now I can start to see. So when I see a glimmer in someone and, and I, I'm like, ooh, what was that? That was a little spark and you know it to be real. You wanna try to find those people and say, hey, keep going, find the people to nurture it. You're gonna be an outlier until others find and see what you're doing because that's like the essence of innovation too. And, you know, um, you're innovating in the way you live and the way you're perceived in the way that society will interact with one another. And, and uh, I like saying that because it makes it more fun, too, that you're getting to innovate. You know, you're like, dude, I'm going to try to affect some social constructs or the way that we do things. And just saying, what if you introduced people and you told them the three te- most terrible things about yourself? What if that was the first thing you did? Hey, I'm Wes. Um, I have clean cause and we're doing billions, man. I'm manipulative and I'm like, what if you just went, hey, I'm Wes. Um, here's my shit smoothie card. These are my ingredients. Uh, I have anger <laughs> problems. Um, I, I, I still look for everything to change my feelings. And I'm not the best at intimate relationships. Um, but anyway, what, tell me about you. And they're like, well, I, I watch too much porn and uh, I like uh, cheesecake. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, and I speed. I speed and I road rage and I don't really know why. Um, anyway, okay, cool. You want to talk about computers now? Like, can you imagine what would happen if an icebreaker came in the form of three things that we knew to be true for ourselves that we didn't like, but we weren't telling you to beat ourselves up and ask for pity. It was yeah. an awareness in an icebreaker yeah. that might create an environment to be more genuine and authentic as we connect. I don't know. It's just an idea, but I'm not saying I want to do it today, but anyway. What was so inspiring for me in that part and in that 
in, in what you had just said, I mean, I kind of got a little teary-eyed because I watched your story come full circle because you shared about the beginning when you were a kid, kind of feeling really unique and 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 then just feeling different and feeling alone and like not really being able to relate. And so going to, you know, substances, but then realizing that we're not really all that different. It's just a lot of people aren't willing to share this huge side of them. We're all addicts and to, to one extreme or another and seeing that like you do have some unique characteristics. Everybody does. Everybody has unique characteristics and that's what's not unique about it. But I have this theory about addicts and about people who struggle with addiction. I don't like the word addict. People who struggle with addiction. And it's that there's this intensity. And when that intensity is subdued by drugs or by alcohol, it it takes away from the power. But then when you're able to kind of just come out in the open with like, hey, this is my shit smoothie, then you're able to also step into your power. And I just love what you said about when you see somebody with that spark, you have to tell them and like nurture that in them. And there's so many people who I feel do fall into addiction because nobody nurtures that. Nobody nurtures their spark. And that is why the addiction happens instead. Why don't we nurture our spark? Our, our spark. I mean, why don't we do that? And and that's what I've been wondering. I'm like, why don't we do that? And yeah. to me, when I look at innovation in America in the last decade or whatever, whatever you want to say, I'm making gross generalizations, but I'm saying like, you know, we became a society of instant gratification in every sense yeah. of it, every single sense. And then what happened, I think, from a work ethic standpoint and just from an economic standpoint is uh, dot coms and things. You, you had these fabulous stories that, that are highlighted and they're the absolute outliers of like the universe and the history of the world. And we take that and we say, if I go day trade or do this or something happened to where we lost the fulfillment of the hands of our work. And then we mm. saw other people and then we said, well, I'm not getting ahead anymore. Like, I don't, why am I doing it this way? I'm, I could work four hour work week, like Tim Ferriss says, and be blah, blah, blah. Which by the way, I agree with a lot of his principles. But my point is, is you look at it like our work ethic, our desire to create things that are authentic and, and not necessarily look at the, uh, the product of it as the, the goal, mm-hmm. but like means to the means versus a means mm-hmm. to an end, which is the end is that I get to be like, you know, Elon Musk with lots of money or something. Like, it. I guess my point is it, it got cheapened. The, yeah. the idea of like, and, and nobody, it's progression. That's what happens. That's what happens to capitalism. Capitalism is designed almost to eventually implode. That's, that's what it does because you have one or two people that can dominate everybody over time because that's how capitalism works. If you're under the assumption that they're doing it legally and ethically, but you know what I mean? I (laughs) I could dive into these topics with you for hours, but I wanted to talk about your spark and I wanted to talk about clean. And when did you realize, I know that, you know, right after getting out of recovery, you had this spark. I wanted, I want to hear a little bit about that and the founding story of clean. Sure. I'm I'm going to kind of do cliff notes because that's how I got in college. (laughs) I wanted to kill myself nine months, sitting in a cemetery daily, could not figure out how to get the green light from God or whatever it was to do it. Nothing, no burning bushes, no little birds, nothing would fly even in front of me to give me any sign. 
So I didn't want to kill my, I, I, but I didn't want to live. So I was in this middle state, just absolute insanity. It's just like limbo, like terrible. I can't, I hate it for people. Cause I'm just like, you can't even get high, but you can't escape this world. It's like, it's like, what do you do with that? And um, so, you know, lots of different circumstances uh, converged. You know, one day maybe I'll try to write them all out for myself, you know, and go, oh, that happened and that happened. The bigger thing for me was sitting in a 12-step meeting and sitting there and, and, and realizing, like, that I didn't know if I had a spark because I had been on drugs and alcohol for 20 years. And I know that I always had a creative vein in me and wanted to do things, but I didn't know that it existed without drugs and alcohol because I don't know who I am. And so I was sitting there and I'm like, dude, I don't have any ideas. I don't know anything. I don't even know who I am. It's like an identity crisis. And then one day, you know, like a couple months in or a month in, I can't remember exact sequence, but I had a little spark. And I, and I, when I, when I felt it, I just went, Oh shit. I'm like, what, what was that? Is that mine? Is that just me? And I go, Oh God. And then it, it, it grew pretty quickly, even in that day. And clean cause the whole concept, the name, the product, which was bottled water to start with in the cause were all created in the same day. And so what happened was I'm sitting there. I, I was going, I guess we got to do something. I need an explicit purpose. I want a purpose to live and I need a freaking compass. I don't care if other people are like, just lighten up, just life. It's the experience. I'm like, cool. I need a compass. Okay. So mine's going to be about recovery and trying to help people then because I need something. And maybe that was about some subconscious understanding of like the accountability therein or whatever. I don't know. All I knew is I wanted to do something provocative and I needed it to be tied directly to what I was struggling with and what I knew in terms of my life experience. So I said, we're going to get 50% of the profits away. And I was like, to help people in recovery. I started driving home from that meeting. I called my sister and I said, hey, I got this idea, blah, blah, blah. It's called sober. And she goes, sober? She's like, e. She's like, she goes, I like the concept. I like how loud you want to be, but um, I don't want, I wouldn't want to walk into a gym with that bottle because I don't want people to think I'm an alcoholic. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. She goes, how about clean? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love you. Driving home and I'm like, clean. But I go, well, we have a cause. I'm like, clean, 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 clean cause. So I go home and then I get on my computer because I like to move quickly. And I put, um, you know, I wrote out clean cause and flipped it, you know, and stuff. And it was, it's Avenir font that I use. I sent it to a graphic designer I knew and I said, hey, can you make me a logo? And he goes, I think you just did. And I was like, oh crap. And he goes, so we rounded the corners of Avenir font. And that's what we have today. And so then we started, I, you know, within a month or so of that, I had bottles of water in my garage. I actually saw a photo of, of that day. And I had like 40 cases in my garage and started selling it out of the back of my truck. And I don't know what happened. And then now I'm talking to you. You know, I got two kids. I am a man on a mission. I'm um, I'm still struggling with everything under the sun um you know with the exception of crack and the the the, you know with opiates and in terms of like my immediate reason for getting into recovery but all of the rest of life's conditions and and um challenges are here you know just like everyone else so i feel blessed to be where i'm at have an opportunity i think most like my new inspiring spark has been um and aspirational is to to, to play a small part in maybe being able to reinvigorate um, the United States in, in the sense of 
how we take on business and, and, and not just speak of this philosophical yin yang of purpose and profit, but to, to do action over advocacy right now, to go to work. Um, and mm. I'm cautious to say this because people, you know, I, I, I've been working on another vision that's, that is not bigger than clean because it's not there, but, but it's, it's meant to do that very thing that now I aspire to do which is to inspire other people to say, hey, what was America like? What did it used to be like? Why did we become so sought after to want to come here? Because we used to put our hands in the soil, because we did the assembly line, because we used to innovate and not just in tech. It, not everybody can do tech. So it's like, guys, there's an opportunity for us to do things and innovate like we never knew and it doesn't have to be a dot-com. It can be with your heart, it can be your competitive advantage. And it's real because that's something a computer can't knock off. And that's what's fascinating to me. You build these things that are equal parts heart and smart. And Jeffrey Bezos would be knocking on your door because, again, he has all of the money in the world. And I'm not knocking him. All these guys do. But you cannot engineer the human spirit. So if you can connect with that and be aligned with your purpose that you're starting to identify and your spark in a way that enables you to also make a living because you have to. To me, it's it's a recipe for America in, in the decades to come. I'm going to do my part that I can to go all in on that and to create more brands that address different social issues than the U.S. And then they can work together and aggregate and, and cross-pollinate one another to, to demonstrate that you, you we, we can, we can do this. We, we just kind of pull triggers. We've got to get, you know, you've got to be bold in the idea that it's in giving that you receive because I can selfishly tell you it's true. Very mm. true. And, and you know that because I've seen so many examples of I mean, I've seen and heard from you so many examples of just things that, you know, you can't put in a business plan, I guess I've heard in another interview that where donors have just come and just dropped money on clean cause because they believe in your mission. And that's not something you can necessarily plan for or think ahead about. The thing is this, get your heart aligned and find your resolve. Find things that you will not compromise and write them down. Three things, three things, only three. And they're not going to be paragraphs. What will you not compromise on as you move into the next phase of your life, wherever you are? And if you're willing to compromise on those, take it off the list. And if it's on the list, use it as your life filter. It will work. Because what happens is, is one for me is when in doubt, throw it out. That's one for me. When it comes to marketing, feel it or forget it. That's it. If I don't feel it, nobody else is, or, or the chances are not that great that I'm going to be that inspired to want to share it with you emphatically. And, and then root cause. Identify the root cause. If people would just do that one, if we all just said why, which is identifying the root cause, things can turn around. If we would agree that we want to know why something does X, Y, or Z, if that was our mentality truly, a lot more progress, I guess. And, and um, whatever that means you know so i'm excited to be alive i'm excited to have my boys and i'm really grateful you give me the opportunity to to practice also sharing my vision or or learning how to articulate and communicate because i'm just i'm i've never really been that good at it in my past life so it's uh thank you for the opportunity hopefully we get to look back in a year now or two and go 
remember when we talked about those other crazy brand ideas and addressing different social issues? Well, you can buy seven of those now in Whole Foods. And that is what turns me on. You know, that's my high. So thanks so much. Well, that is amazing. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. I know that we've gone a little bit over, so I really appreciate your time. I just wanted to give you a huge thank you because not only for showing up today, but our conversation two years ago sparked a conversation with my father where we have like really healed our relationship. And I've started to see him just like as a human and he is still struggling with his addiction, but our relationship has grown so much just from um, my conversation with you and being able to just see him and be there for him, but not in an enabling way. And so thank you for inspiring me to heal and grow. Thank you for coming here on here today. Thank you for creating Clean Cause. In the outro of the show, I will tell people how they can find Clean um, and how they can follow Clean. But I want to go ahead and let you get out of here today because I know that we've spent a lot of time. And thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for everything that you do for the addiction community and just showing up here For today. sure. Now, all I, w- all I would recommend and encourage anyone listening to is when you find something to be true or when you find it and it's a new revelation for yourself, whatever it is, try to pay that forward. Pay it forward mm. because that is the ripple effect in action. It's, it's just so, so try when you find your peace, when you find your joy, when you find your product that you know is real, share it. Because that is how we can get, I think, more more harmonious. You know. Thanks again, and I hope you have a great day. I'm gonna go rock and roll with the boys. <laughs> Thank you so much, Wes. You have a great day as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. As always, any books, links, or resources that were mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes for you to access. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment. We would love to hear from you. Or feel free to send us a direct message on Instagram at Elevate Potential Podcast if you would like to be a guest on this show. Finally, please subscribe and download episodes in order to support the community that we are creating of people who are working to elevate their potential together. Until next time.